Praise the Lord. You are listening to a word from the Lord, a radio and internet ministry of the Refuge Temple Church of Burlington, North Carolina. Refuge Temple Church is located in the heart of Burlington, NC at 152 North Main Street. Our pastor is Bishop Reginald J. Davis. Refuge Temple Church is a spirit-filled, Bible-believing, multicultural ministry ordained by Jesus Christ to serve him, his kingdom, and the community from Main Street to the world. We welcome you to join us now for anointed music and the word of God. go to the word. Remain standing, if you would, in the sanctuary for the reading of the word. And you'll find us in the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter number 4. 1 Peter chapter number 4, and we shall begin reading at verse 1, and please bear with us. We have a slightly lengthy text to read today from 1 Peter chapter number 4, and we shall begin reading at verse number 1. And as you're turning, I want to share with you that beginning on December 1st, which is Tuesday, Refuge Temple will be in consecration throughout the entire month of December. And the theme the Lord gave me is in Isaiah 43, hallelujah, Isaiah 43 and verses 18 and 19 that says, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? And I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. In other words, as we close 2020, it's going to be out with the old and in with the new. Come on, somebody. There's some things that I don't plan to carry with me into 2021. Come on, somebody. There's some things I plan to see resolved in 2021. And so I have five things I'm asking everyone to do. I want you to please set aside a time to pray. And you can join me every morning, every morning at 630. I'm on Facebook Live each morning, and that is your time. Join me. In the morning at 6.30, I want you to make a list and I want you to five things that you do not want to follow you into 2021. Five things you plan to leave behind. And then five things you want to see God do for you. Hallelujah. In 2021. And then I want to ask you to make a vow. And I'm not going to tell you what the vow is, but there is something you know you're supposed to be doing for God. And I want you to make that vow. Hallelujah. Make that vow. Make that vow. It, it varies from person to person, but there's something you know the Lord needs you to do. He may have spoken to you before and you've ignored him, but in this season, make that vow to the Lord of what's going to happen, what you're going to do in this season. And we will be fasting and praying throughout the month. For right now, our fast days are Wednesdays and Fridays. I will adjust those um, as we go through the month, but focus on Wednesday and Friday being your fast day. And I'm believing God because here's the thing about it is that prayer can connect us even though we can't be physically together. Prayer and fasting will connect us. And what you're going to hear are miracles, signs, and wonders breaking out because anytime the people of God fast and pray, God moves, God responds, God activates. By our faith, we activate the working of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna, I'll put this online and I'll post it. It's on the, um, it's on the Facebook Live right now for those that want to join with us. And you don't have to be a member of Refuge Temple to join this fast and this prayer, all right? But God is going to do something tremendously for us as we fast and pray to him. Let's go to the text now in 1 Peter chapter number 4 and verse number 1. 
For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered has ceased from sin. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our lives may suffice to us have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, and excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. Wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to the men, to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man have received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as, as of the ability which God giveth him, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which shall try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. God bless you. I want to talk to you from the subject, and this is just part one of what will be a couple of days to share. I cannot be like everybody else. I cannot be like everybody else. Just look across the aisle and say, I cannot be like everybody else. I cannot be, hallelujah, like everybody else. You know, it's interesting that holiness has always been a subject of contention, subject of struggle, subject of uh, some people's distress or pain or challenging in our thinking. But holiness is indeed right. Anybody believe that today? Holiness. Holiness is right. And God expects his sons, his daughters, his children to be holy. Holiness is a principle that has to be constantly addressed in the church and among believers. Um, I'm not being redundant because you hear me talk to you on a regular basis about holiness. I'm not trying to be difficult or judgmental, but holiness is a necessity for the believer. Hallelujah. Holiness is not a denomination. I know people sometimes identify themselves and we identify ourselves sometimes as a holiness church, holiness denomination, a holiness group. But holiness is not a denomination because no matter what you call yourself, God still expects you to be holy. 
no matter what banner you fly under, no matter what name you attach to your faith system, it is the expectation biblically that you are holy. That's God's expectation. Holiness, hallelujah, should be a part of the identity of every believer. That every person that is walking with God, every person that is chosen by God, every person that identifies himself to be a believer in Jesus Christ should be engaging and attempting to live a holy life. Don't y'all sit here and just look at me. I hope I'm telling the truth. Holiness is not, and, and I want to talk about what it is not, because I think in the church we have made holiness about some things that are not accurate. Holiness is not about a change of wardrobe. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. If it was just about changing clothes, all you need is a credit card, and you can become holy. Holiness is not simply about stepping away from bad habits. People got bad habits. Hallelujah. Smoking is a bad habit whether you're saved or not. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Drinking is a bad habit whether you're saved or not. But just stepping away from those habits alone do not make you holy. Holiness is not church going. Because being in a church doesn't make you holy any more than being in a garage makes you a car. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. It does it by itself. It does it by itself. And sometimes we have emphasized just those things, just the habits, or just the clothes, or just church going as a means of understanding what holiness is. And it is so much more than that. Holiness is the separation and sanctification of a person's life so that he or she can live totally surrendered to God. When a person is in the process of becoming holy, they are doing that because they want to separate themselves so they can live totally surrendered to God. I don't live holy because you, so you will think well of me. I don't live holy so that you will think I am a pious or a religious person. But I live holy because ultimately I want my life to please God. I want my life to reflect the character of God. I want God to be pleased with me because I've read somewhere in the Bible, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Hallelujah. And so I'm living this, and I want to make this clear, and I put it in bold print in my notes. It is a lifelong process. It's going to take you the rest of your life to live holy. Come on, somebody. It's going to take you the rest of your life to live holy, even if you put on the right clothes, even if you stop going to the bad places, even if you change the way you do some things. Because guess what? Some of us need to grow not in our clothes, but our attitudes. We got holy clothes, but ugly attitudes. Come on here, somebody. Some of us have the right um, demeanor, but we struggle in our thoughts. And so holiness is simply a lifelong process because holiness impacts everything that we do. Holiness impacts our thoughts because a lot of us don't live holy because honestly we don't think holy. Hallelujah. And that's why it's not enough just to feel the presence of God. You have to start thinking like a godly person. Come on somebody. The prayer should not always be about my behavior, but Lord, I need some help with my thoughts. Come on, somebody. Because sometimes I think some things that create trouble for me. 
Sometimes I think some things that create, oh God, obstacles for me. So I need the Lord to deal with my thoughts. For some of us, it is the word. I'm always so surprised how we can speak in tongues and curse at the same time. Come on here, somebody. I'm always surprised by that. I'm always surprised that we can leave church and we've just spoken with glossolalia. We have spoken in tongues as the spirit gives utterance and then get to the parking lot and start lying. I'm always amazed by that because if the Holy Ghost is real, it changes everything that comes out of your mouth. Come on, somebody. I just don't speak right in the heavenly language. I ought to speak right in the earthly languages. Come on, somebody. I, I, I'm amazed how people can speak in tongues and not speak to you. Lord, help me preach this. Come on, somebody. Just got through talking to Jesus and won't say hello to you. Something wrong with that because when holiness has taken over your life, it even governs your words. It governs your conduct. Oh, God, it does matter how a believer acts. And I'm going to say this. Oh, God, acting right alone does not make you saved. But if you are saved, you will act right. Come on, somebody. If the Holy Ghost is real in your life, if your life has been transformed, if your life has been changed by the power and presence of God, it's going to be evident without you wearing a T-shirt, wearing a hat, having a bumper sticker. People can look at your life and know there is something different because of the relationship that you have with God. It impacts attitudes because somebody that is holy wants to please God. Somebody that is truly holy in there, the essence of who they are, they want to please God. They want to honor God. Holiness governs your decisions. There are some things, listen to me, that I want to do, but I decline to do because I'm holy. Now, I want to have some real talk here. It, it's not always about what I want because if I would be honest, sometimes my flesh and my emotions are craving things outside of God. I, I, I wish I was in an honest church talking to honest people. Hallelujah. It, it, it's not always, come on, help me. It's not always that I want to do the right that I'm doing. But because I have chosen to be holy, there are times I have to crucify my flesh in order to please God. There are things that I want to do because I feel justified in doing it and I feel motivated to do it and I'm just at the edge of doing it but I realize I have been called to be holy. Oh, And the Bible says the love of God constraineth us. The only reason why I haven't gone crazy because I love God. Only reason why I haven't lost my mind, I love God. Only reason why I haven't indulged in things that I know are ungodly is not because I don't want them. Now, we try to act all deep and say, I don't want that. You need to be honest. Your flesh wants it. Your flesh craves it. But my love to please God has to be greater than my love to please my flesh. So it governs my decisions. And when I'm holy, it changes how even I respond to life. There's a holiness response to life. That even in the crises of life, ups and downs of life, there's difference with somebody that is holy. You know, we, we, we've all been touched recently in the last 12 months by grief. And a number of us have lost loved ones. Some of it has been COVID-related. 
Some of it has been non-COVID related. But grief is grief for everybody. And when you start entering the holiday season, that grief sometimes becomes exacerbated. But even as a believer in Christ, the Bible says we sorrow not as others that have no hope. I feel the loss of my loved one. I feel the loss of my friend. I feel the loss of my family member, my spouse, my son, my daughter, my mother, my father. I feel it and it's real. But Lord, if I'm holy, I have to ask you to give me a holy response even to my grief. And God just doesn't give you a response. He gives you the peace to go along with the response. Because what comes with the Holy Ghost is what the Bible says is peace, that passive all understanding. And some of you right now understand that because you know if you were in your flesh, you would be doing some things very different than what you're doing right now. Even though you feel helpless by the loss of the loved one, something in you is saying, Lord, i got to give you the glory anyhow. I'm crying, I'm praising you, and I'm crying at the same time. I'm singing, and I'm crying at the same time. I'm dancing and I'm crying at the same time because there's a holiness response even to grief. Oh, David said, I bless the Lord at all times. And you haven't lived that scripture until you have faced tragedy. You haven't lived that scripture until you have faced obstacles. You haven't lived that scripture until hell is broken out. And with tears in your eyes, your hand creeps up and you say, Lord, I bless you anyhow. Hallelujah. Holiness dictates how we respond to life. Let's go to the text and I want to share a piece and then I'm, this is a multi-part message so I'm not going to try to preach it all today. I want to deal with one piece of it. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, chapter 4 rather, verse 1. For as much as Christ have suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. The first thing I have to tell you is be prepared. I wish I could tell you that every day was going to be wonderful and sunny and bright, but you need to be prepared. You know, this, even though COVID took most of us by surprise, it did not take God by surprise. And if you would think about pre-pandemic, for many of us, the Lord was talking to us, saying, get ready. Come on, somebody. For many of us, the Lord was talking to us, saying, you need to pray a little bit more. There's a season coming that's going to impact the entire world. I, I found my grandmother. My grandmother died, listen to me, in 2015. But my grandmother had a vision before she died. She said, Reggie, I saw the entire world sick. Come on, somebody. And it, it came to me when this pandemic broke out, that this little woman who died five years before 2020, God showed her the entire world sick and the sickness that had permeated the entire globe. And so one of the things the church has to start doing is to stop just dancing and start preparing. Oh, come on, somebody help me in here. 
I love to praise God. I love to worship. But I need us to become more diligent about our prayer, about our Bible study. Because when hell breaks out, that's what's going to keep us is the relationship that we have with God through prayer and the word of God. Holiness begins with an understanding of Jesus Christ. For as much as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, and what made Jesus so special is that Jesus lived his life in complete submission to the will of the Father. That, and, and, and he did that because, and the Bible says, he being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Jesus Christ is God. God manifested, God revealed in the flesh. But to teach us, he made the subject, oh God, the son, subject to the father. To show us that you can't live a life of holiness until you submit yourself to the will of God. You know why we struggle being holy? We struggle being holy because there's something in us that does not want to submit to the will of God. And you've got to come to a place that you crucify yourself, that you hurt, oh God, that you crucify your flesh to the point that you say, I don't care if I don't like it, I have to surrender to the will of God. I'm going to be the son of God. I'm going to be a child of God. I have to surrender and I have to live my life in submission to the will of God. I wish somebody in this church would lift your hands right now and just say, yes, Lord. You got to know what that means when you say, yes, Lord. You're saying, Lord, come what may. I want to do your will. You're saying the Lord storm or rain, I'm going to do your will. You're saying wherever life takes me, I will not lose my praise and I will not lose my commitment. So now that you know what it means, come on, lift your hands one more time and say, yes, Lord. Suffering is the crucible that crushes our will so that the will of God can be made manifest. Suffering does something for your church that jumping and shouting won't do. Suffering does something for you that even speaking in tongues won't do. Because suffering crushes your will to the point that you will say, yes, Lord. And if you would be honest, some of us have had to say, yes, Lord, in the most challenging of situations. We didn't say yes, Lord, when we got the promotion. We had to say yes, Lord, when we lost the job. Oh, God, we didn't say yes, Lord, when we got the good report from the doctor. We had to say yes, Lord, when the doctor says you have this and you have that. Oh, God, but you still lifted your hands and said yes, Lord. You didn't say yes, Lord, when you bought the house. You said yes, Lord, when you got the eviction papers. Oh, my God, there's something about suffering. Oh, God, that crushes the mind and crushes the will to the point that you say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. If I can do it my way, I'd go another way. But, Lord, because I'm, oh, God, I'm the clay and you're the potter, I had to learn how to say yes, Lord. I had to say yes, oh, God, when people were lying on me. And the Lord said, don't defend yourself. Just stay 
stand there and take it and just say, yes, Lord. You had, I had to do it when people were scandalizing me, when folk were trying everything they could to destroy me. But I had to stand back and, as the word said, hold my peace and allow him to fight my battles. I wish somebody in the house would lift your hands one more time and say, yes, Lord. Suffering is the crucible that crushes all will so that the will of God can be made manifest. And if I could call a witness to the stand, I would call Job. And Job would come and testify that I was serving God. I was living for God. I was giving my money. I was praying for my children. I was standing up, oh God, for God. I was a righteous man and I was blessed but there was a conversation that I was not privy to where Satan spoke to God and God said have you considered my servant Job he is upright he is righteous nobody like Job and Satan told God Job only serves you because you bless him Job only serves him because you prosper him if you take what you gave to Job away, Job will curse you to your face. And the Lord said, oh God, try him, but don't touch his body. In one day, Satan wiped out Job's wealth, Job's prosperity, Job's claim to fame. And as Job, and not only took his wealth, but took his children, and Job stood in front of ten caskets and said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. But bless be the name of the Lord. I need somebody in here that has suffered loss to lift your hands and give God the glory. I need a grieving person. If you're not grieving, don't worry about it. But I need a grieving person to make the devil a liar and open your mouth and give God, give God the glory. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Come on, clap your hands. Shout hallelujah. Oh my God. Job didn't bow. Job didn't curse God. Satan came back to God and said, Lord, if you touch his body, skin for skin, all will a man give in exchange for his life. Touch his body, he'll curse you to your face. He said, touch his body, but don't take his life. In one day, Job broke out his sores from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. I'm talking to sick folk in here. You got some conditions that haven't left you yet. You pray, but you still got it. You fasted, but you still got it. What do you do, Bishop, when my body is sick? What do I do, Bishop, when my mind is sick? What do I do, Bishop, when I don't feel good? Oh, my God. Job lost everything and even had his wife say, why don't you curse God and die? But I read this this morning, and I want to close with this, because sometimes you're perplexed because you don't understand. Anybody here had some suffering that you didn't understand? I still don't know why this happened. I still don't know why that happened. But hear the word of Job. Behold, I go forward, but 
he is not there and backwards but I cannot perceive him I'm looking for God but I can't find him I'm looking for God but I don't see him on the left hand where he does work but I cannot behold him he hide of himself on the right hand that I cannot see him oh God sometimes you're living stumbling in the dark I don't know what's happening I don't know why it's happening but Joe made this confession behold he knoweth the way that I take I don't understand but he knows I can't fathom it but he knows I can't make sense of it but he knows he knows the way that I take he knows God knows what he's doing God knows what is happening God knows how it's going to work out somebody shout he knows somebody shout he knows somebody shout he knows somebody shout he knows he knows the way that I take. And when I'm tried, oh God, anybody being tried right now? When I'm tried, oh Shadama, you about to find out how saved you are. When I'm tried, you about to find out how holy you are. When I'm tried, I'm coming forth as gold. We sincerely hope that you were blessed by this broadcast today. If you desire prayer or want more information about our church, please call us at 336-570-3664. Again, that's 336-570-3664. You can also go to our website for more information about our ministry, at www.refugetemplenc.com. Again, that's www.refugetemplenc.com. Pastor Reginald and Lady Charity Davis and the Refuge Temple family would like to invite you to worship with us whenever you are in the Burlington area. If this ministry has blessed you, please write to us at P.O. Box 3552, Burlington, N.C., 27215. That's P.O. Box 3552, Burlington, N.C., 27215, or email us, info at refugetemplenc.com. That's info at refugetemplenc.com. God bless you, and until next time, shalom, shalom.